0: No more to sab, who go out to our Today we had a, a meeting of the Hanan Buddhist Monastery Trust, and I must say it was uh, an inspiring meeting, uh, really a delight to see that uh, the business that we need to conduct to keep a community like this, uh, organization like this running, can be dealt with in such a harmonious and a really quite beautiful way. The, the mutual respect and willingness to listen and support each other is really a, a rather wonderful thing. And uh, At the end of the meeting, Ajinebhi Binando gave a little speech. Uh, since this is probably his last trust meeting, he'd be moving off to live in Switzerland, and he commented um, an appreciation of the quality of community that uh, exists and, and is evident in these trust meetings. and Not all meetings uh, dealing with such tricky business are cooperative and beautiful. In fact, even this meeting, to be honest, uh, uh, part of me didn't really want to go. Uh, I was tired and a beautiful spring morning this morning would be much nicer to just enjoy the spring and quietude and rather than talking about building projects and charity law and all the rest of it. Um, And one reason I was tired was because uh, uh, again, Ajinevyananda and I just returned recently from another set of meetings down at Amarawati. We travelled down south to Hamel Hampstead and our monastery there and spent two very full days, uh, uh, two days travelling and then two days talking, uh, morning and afternoon um, business and and that's of course just the business meetings, outside of the business meeting there was catching up with old friends at the end of the winter retreat and... um, as pleasant as most of that is, it, it still takes energy and can be tiring. And, but those meetings likewise were, uh, I must say, really really rather wonderful. Uh, the degree of concord and the willingness to cooperate and the harmony that results from that. Uh, I think it's... Uh, it's not an easy thing. Some of us have been together for many, many years, and certainly we have different opinions on things. It's not because we all have the same opinions on everything. Some of us have very different opinions. and Like, in the, similarly with the trust meeting, different opinions on things. It wasn't so long ago we were talking about replacing, repairing the front doors of the Stummer hall here. And so one side of the argument says, well, should get the cheapest doors. Set a good example. Modesty, frugality, that's the way to go. Plastic. Yeah. Plastic, that's what we should do. Yeah. Cheap and long-lasting. And then the other side of the argument was, well, it's the dumber halls, so not just any old garage, <laughs> this is the Dhamma Hall. We should use quality wood and quality craftsmanship. It's a symbolic gesture of respect and devotion uh, to the triple gem. And we have this really superb cabinet builder friend who we've been using for years to do all sorts of things. And we know we can trust him. And if anything goes wrong, he'll come back. And yes, it's more expensive, but it's the Dhamma Hall. And And people have strong views, sometimes very strong views. the Elders' Council meeting, we were talking about Facebook. That's guaranteed to get the strong views going. Uh, Is Facebook a uh, functional, helpful, electronic means of aiding communication? and supporting community, or is it a frivolous, vexatious, insidious, electronic virus that's infecting and undermining the integrity of the renunciate sangha? Yeah, strong views, very strong views. How do we meet in a way whereby those strong views don't lead to disharmony, discord, disintegration? That's what often happens in communities. What happens in nations ends up with very sad, serious, uh, painful consequences. So indeed, the, uh, the beautiful option is to cultivate those qualities of consciousness that lead towards cooperation, to lead towards, surely lead towards mutual benefit, to lead towards that which is beautiful in human society. But how do we do it? It's not easy. Now, fortunately, uh, as I was saying, the, the set of meetings that we've been participating in the last few days—that that there was evidence, there was that beautiful willingness present. And, but it takes a lot of work. Mm. But it's worthwhile work, mm. and that that cooperation and harmony. I must say, it wasn't there because we're dealing with a a bunch of super boring, super peaceful, nobody home type characters. Uh, there's definitely somebody home with very strong views and, and opinions. But, at the same time, there is a shared commitment, a shared aspiration, a shared... Practice oriented towards that which is beyond me and my way. Mm-hmm. That when me and my way is dominant, then there isn't cooperation. There's just argument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know probably we all know the experience of me and my way. I know it for sure. You know, <laughs> there's some of these meetings. You know that. Monk, there. Whenever he opens his mouth, he never closes it. I mean, you know, <laughs> we've all heard about you know why use fifty words when five will do. Well, this guy seems to think, well, why use ten when a hundred is better? He just doesn't stop. And uh, well, that nun doesn't she realize we spoke about that fifteen minutes ago? And uh, <laughs> why did she pay attention? We can if we. Uh, Identified with the momentum of me in my way, that's what's happening. And we're not really hearing anything else. Mm-hmm. We're just hearing this inner babble. And it's, uh, and it's distorting, disfiguring, obstructing a sensitive presence if we have a commitment as I was suggesting uh, to varying degrees we we share a commitment to the possibility, realizing the possibility of that which is beyond the the fallacy of personality belief the fallacy of personality belief that emphasizes me and my way, my views my opinions, my personality and endlessly promoting that if there's a faith in the possibility of realising that which is beyond, then it relativizes that momentum, it relativises the babble. The babble can still be there, but we can hear it and we can hear to some degree beyond it. And this is important, this is worth cultivating. So we're not talking about denying the fact that we have views and opinions. You have very strong views and opinions, but are we lost in them that 's the point. Yeah. Are we identified as the activity of our hearts and minds? Are we identified as the movement of consciousness? Are we identified as the content of awareness, or do we aspire to realize identity as awareness itself? Mm. So the refuge that we have in the Buddha, the Buddha is edgeless, limitless awareness unobstructed awareness unobstructed consciousness there were no limitations the Buddha was from the time of his enlightenment onwards was not imposing any limitations there was no clinging so there were no limitations on the Buddha's awareness whatsoever Mm -hmm. so that meant there was no becoming the activity of awareness whatever conditions arose agreeable or disagreeable the buddha didn't get lost in any of it we because of our unawareness because of the momentum of ignorance keep getting lost all the time but there's something we can do about that and so that's that's our practice that's our training and that's i think it's a it's a wonderful thing that we can be contributing uh, to the world yeah. it's not the case that we just have to have everybody being super boring or super peaceful yeah not having views and opinions. Rather, it's about contemplating how we have our views and opinions, experimenting, training, practicing, in other words. So the Buddha gave us this teaching, and the Dhamma Sutta. we were just chanting right now, the very first teaching the Buddha gave, the first and, and most fundamental instruction on how to approach the inner inquiry, So that there's a chance understanding will arise. When there's understanding, then there's the beginning of the path to freedom. And again, freedom is not getting rid of views and opinions. Freedom is not everybody all being the same. That's not going to happen. But it's the freedom from attachment, the freedom from identification with views and opinions. So we can have our views and opinions, but we can also have cooperation, beautiful harmony and concord which certainly uh, is a precious and wonderful thing when it happens yeah? so this is an important part of our training and not just making the mind peaceful and making the mind blank and taking a holiday from all the noise and all the babble yeah? there's a place for taking a holiday and having a break yeah, if we have the facility for doing that But it's also important that we work with the babble. Listen to the babble and listen to the silence in which the babble is arising and ceasing. Mm. In other words, doing the training. So, uh, typically, in all aspects of the uh, Dhamma practice, uh, when we're faced with the recognition that we need to let go of something... The Buddha encouraged first recognizing the consequence, the unfortunate consequence of clinging. First recognize the unfortunate consequence of clinging. What does it feel like to be caught up in me and my way? What does it feel like to believe in the fallacy of personality belief? What does that feel like? Well, if we don't do formal practice we don't have the benefit of that contrasting perspective all we know is the me and my way and and probably i think it's fair enough to say that never before in all human history have so many people been so intensely caught up in the commitment to me and my way personality belief it is the universal religion these days but again that's not a obligation embrace the spiritual disciplines even to a modest degree we can recognize what it's like, what it feels like to have a peaceful mind a peaceful heart even to a modest degree to be able to listen to silence to be able to enjoy silence to be able to get a sense of the space around the content the stillness around the activity you get a feeling for that and in that space, in that sense, perhaps we come to recognize what an unfortunate irritation this momentum of me and my way is. You know, what a distortion of consciousness it is. What a, when we're caught up in it, what a fracture of consciousness it is. You know, we want to heal that Fracture. How do we heal that fracture? Well, definitely cultivating our formal practice so we become familiar with this to some degree with the stillness, with the peacefulness, with the quiet. So remember there's not just this movement, not just this activity of self-promotion. Even the impulse to want to promote ourselves from the perspective of the still mind, the quiet mind, is something that we can feel can feel the inclination to follow wanting to present my opinion. To be honest, when I go to a lot of these meetings, my view is I just want everybody to listen to me and be quiet. Listen to me, follow what I say, and then let's go home. That's a big part of me. To be honest, that's what I want. I, I suspect most people are sort of the same. Yeah, I think we're sort of bred that way. I don't think I'm totally uh, off the chart in that regard. No, we all really value our own views and opinions. And however, with uh, a few years of practice, uh, one has a little bit of a perspective on it. And what do we do with it? Well, as I was saying, we don't necessarily take a position against it. That's the opposite extreme taking a position for it and indulging in self-promotion, that's one extreme, and as the Buddha was teaching in the Dhammachaka Sutta right now, flipping to the other extreme and taking a position against ourselves, that's not it either. But rather trusting in the perspective of just knowing. Yes, I want this can feel that movement feel the wanting Mm -hmm. we don't have to judge it and try and get rid of the wanting Mm -hmm. feel the wanting or i don't want this i don't want to have to listen to this tedious person going on and on and on we can feel that Mm -hmm. we can know that Mm -hmm. that takes training that takes practice so feeling the consequence of being caught up is the first step and then feeling the consequence, the benefit of letting go. Both those elements in the Buddha taught those two perspectives. We want to let go of something, first see the consequence of clinging, say, wow, that hurts. Really feel that, really feel it to our bones. That self promotion thing. Really feel how difficult and unfortunate it is the being caught up in that, being consumed by that. Mm-hmm. When it happens, to don't be in a hurry to get over it, really to know it, get to know it. The humiliation, and the fire of embarrassment, to really let it course through us, not indulging in it and giving ourselves a hard time. We're not talking about that. Uh, just let it teach us what we need to learn. Welcome it. We can even speak to it and say, suffering, welcome, please teach me what I need to learn. Mm. And then when letting go happens, To really enjoy that, not to get lost in it, not to indulge in it, but not to be afraid of it. The, the, The benefit of letting go, when letting go happens, to really register that, to really feel, oh, this is what it's like to let go. And then experience the gratitude that comes from that. To enjoy it. Somebody staying at the monastery was recently relating to me how they had had this uh, very testing experience staying uh, in another monastery. It wasn't here, um, but they were staying in another monastery where conditions conspired to really push them to the edge and threaten to push them over the edge. Uh, the faith that they had been enjoying up until that point, the faith and confidence and enthusiasm for practice was really tested. It's just, that's how it happened. Intentionally or unintentionally, who knows, but they were challenged to such a degree whereby their faith started to wobble. And what happens when faith wobbles? Doubt appears. They weren't familiar with doubt. They were shaken by doubt. Fortunately, the momentum of practice meant that they didn't get knocked over by doubt. remembered that what we're doing is not just simply judging the failure of faith and taking position against ourselves, but remembering the awareness itself, just knowing, just knowing this is doubt, getting perspective on it the temptation maybe is to indulge in the doubt. If we have a momentum of indulging in the faith and being lost in pleasure, then the risk is we can indulge in the doubt and get lost in the doubt, and that is hell. So we flip-flop from heaven to hell, heaven to hell, which is, of course, samsara and something the Buddha pointed out and found the way out of. And our practice is that when we do experience the consequence of getting caught up is how long does it take us to remember it feels like this, to remember this facility we have for just knowing. Even though there is a temptation to sink into feeling sorry for ourselves if we've lost something we valued or even loved dearly. Getting lost in it is something we're doing and it doesn't conduce with understanding, with clarity, with well-being. And it's not an obligation. So in this case, this, this fellow was talking about how difficult it was, how intensely challenging it was, but the good news is that the doubt eventually appeared as just that, a condition, passing through awareness. The selflessness of doubt manifest the anatta you know, the buddha's teaching of not self doubt can feel like self just as faith feels like self faith being so pleasant can really feel like me get really evangelical and even painfully fundamentalist about our faith sometimes and, and if we do that well when we fall into doubt we're really going to have a bad time Hopefully we're going to heed what the Buddha said and even when there is the zeal and enthusiasm and loveliness of faith, we'll remember to be mindful of it and say it feels like this. But it's not a sure thing. This is faith. This is not wisdom. This is faith. And then when it changes, as certainly it will if we keep practicing, if we start to grow up spiritually, the faith will be challenged, will be tested and uncertainty, fear of uncertainty, which we call doubt, will arise And we won't indulge in it. We'll also be mindful of that. And we study it, we question it, we feel it, we receive it, we allow it, we listen to it until the selfless nature of doubt manifests and letting go happens. And again, as this chap was explaining to me, what came next was gratitude. Even though he'd been through a hellish ordeal of really being tested to... Uh, a degree that he wasn't expecting and didn't wish for, uh, it was replaced with sincere gratitude. So this is our training. If we're still reading about the teachings, thinking about the teachings, but not yet daring to submit ourselves to the fires of purification, Mm -hmm. daring to question our initial assumptions about the way things appear to be, like, for instance, the momentum of me and my way. It's what most people are doing, promoting themselves, and it feels good on some level when there is this me and my way. But if we have the benefit of experiencing some degree of tranquility, some peacefulness of heart and mind, afforded the benefit of seeing a contrasting perspective Mm. this me and my way is actually an irritant it's a distortion it's not beautiful it's not beautiful when we see it in ourselves it's not beautiful when we see it in others and that's a very different relationship to the training it's not arguing about what the scriptures mean Mm. So long as we're still reading the scriptures and hoping to find a position that is going to justify or reinforce a partial sense of self-confidence, then we're always vulnerable to falling into arguments. It's what often happens between scholars arguing which fixed position is right. From a practice perspective, there's no arguments. There's just looking at the suffering until we see through it and letting go happens. Yeah. When we're attached to even the Buddha's teachings, even when the teachings are right. Yeah. Attaching to them we can make them wrong. And the Buddha's teachings about self is a well known verse in the scriptures. Yeah. Attahiyata no nato, kohi na nato yeah. yeah. Very famous teaching the Buddha. It says oneself is one's own refuge. How could another be our refuge? Mm-hmm. From the perspective of clinging to thinking, clinging to concepts, from the perspective of trying to get mm-hmm. security on the level of cognitive understanding, mm-hmm. we could think that the Buddha's positing some. Position about the nature of self there. One's self is one's own refuge. And there are people who make all sorts of arguments in that direction. However, if we know how to let go of our coarse level of thinking, we'll hear something different. We'll hear that the Buddha's pointing in the direction of individual responsibility. He's saying don't expect anybody else to liberate you. Don't be attaching to external structures, including external belief systems, thinking that they're going to save you. Rather, turn the light of attention inwards and investigate. Investigate the cause of suffering. Like the suffering of the compulsive identification with me in my way. Self promotion, personality belief, to turn the light of attention inwards and to question that, yeah. to dare to ask, Who is this insisting on getting their own way? You know, that feeling of, I want this. Yeah. Like with you know, food. Mm. Maybe it's not suffering over the loss of initial faith, Hmm. being replaced with doubt, threatening, painful doubt. Maybe it's longing for food. Well, we could just repress it and deny it and grit our teeth and sit there before the meal waiting for the bell to go and go out there and get your food and you're sitting there sweating, trembling, uh, wishing that we could just get out there and eat. You could try that. If it works, well, it's fine, but uh, maybe that's not going to work. Another approach is we can let ourselves want. You know, wanting is very normal. Mm. It's how we want that matters. Mm. If we develop the faculties that we've spoken about many times before sufficient sati, sufficient samadhi. Sufficient sense restraint, sufficient wise reflection. We can let ourselves want. I really want to eat that cheesecake. I love cheesecake. I could eat that whole cheesecake myself. I don't want to leave any Frijan Abhinandhi to eat. I want to eat the whole thing myself. I just love it. Yeah, start salivating that 's how much I love cheesecake. I really love it. I want it. I want cheesecake wanting, wanting. Now we 're not obsessed or fixated with taking a position for or against, we can allow ourselves to want to eat whatever it is cheesecake yeah. and want it fully. Until maybe we experience wanting. We're not anywhere near the cheesecake. We can't even see it. We just heard this cheesecake today. We know that Justin made cheesecake. We're just sitting there thinking about it. We're not even there with it. And What's there is wanting. If we can really want it, really fully let ourselves want it and just simply want it maybe there's a chance that we'll have a hint of the selfless nature of wanting The letting go will happen Mm. a lot of encouragement and practice comes from that however if we don't have such experience or we don't even trust in such a possibility, we're still committed to the momentum of me in my way, then there's no possibility we're going to heal the apparent fracture of consciousness. Yeah. This fighting ourselves all the time, yeah. trying to get what we want, trying to get what we don't want, get rid of what we don't want. Yeah. We try all our tricks. We can think about it, we can justify it, we can rationalise it, we can conceptualise about it, we can talk about it, but it doesn't heal. It doesn't bring about inner harmony and similarly outwardly in community, in relationship. If we don't let go of the momentum of my way and allow ourselves to listen to others... are always caught up in my counter-argument or my opinions, then there's very little chance that there's going to be concord or harmony. I think of it as like if you, for instance, if you bang your head, you know, maybe you're out trimming the hedge and, and you catch your forehead on a branch and you, you've got a, a nasty gash across your forehead and, and so you clean it and then you look in the mirror and think, oh, I've got to put some cream on that. I need to put some cream on that wound. Yeah, it'll get infected. And, and so you get some good, healthy cream and, and you put it on the mirror. Oops. That's what we're doing when we're relating to the image of ourselves. The momentum of me and my way, that's an image of ourselves. that's the image we have of who and what we are it's functional to have an image from about the age of seven onwards we have an image of who we are but the mistake is we believe that's really who and what we are we find our soul identity in the image of ourselves and we cultivate the image of ourselves it's called personality belief and we promote it so in this example of trying to heal a wound Putting cream on the, on the mirror—that's that, a serious mistake. We can put—we can put the best cream on. We can get really, really healthy, organic, healing cream imbued with the best manuka honey that money can buy, and and plaster layers of cream on the mirror, and the, the mirror is splattered with layers of of cream, try to heal this gash and we just get more and more diseased more and more infected Uh, the infection doesn't heal wrong understanding Mm -hmm. wrong approach it doesn't work however if we've heard the teaching we have the intuition to stop running away from the feeling of Limitation of frustration, of suffering, of life, and turn the light of attention around and look at it directly, and then ask the right kind of question in the right way when the mind is peaceful, the right time, Mm -hmm. then there's a chance that understanding will arise. Mm -hmm. And when there's understanding, of this process, we understand why and how and when we suffer, why and how and when our actions of body, speech and mind lead to disharmony, discord, dissatisfaction, disappointment, and where and when and how our actions of body, speech and mind lead to concord. And when there is that level of understanding, there is also the possibility that a natural, genuine sense of compassion Arises. We don't have to synthesize compassion, we don't have to pretend to be compassionate, and compassion is the natural expression of right understanding. That's truly beautiful. So, thank you very much this evening for your attention.